Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, when God first called me to preach and I began to tell people with extraordinary confidence what God had told me, they didn't think, they did, you know what they did? Here's what they didn't think. They didn't think, isn't that wonderful that the Lord has spoken to, to uh, Sh Shaggy is what they called me. Isn't that wonderful that the Lord has spoken to Shaggy and given him such a great word? No, what they said was, you need to come down. Because here's, here's the truth, church, and you know that this is the truth. Because I said, like I said, I walked in here today and there wasn't an exhibiting of that extraordinary confidence. In fact, it took us a little bit today to, you know, some of us uh, to press into God. When people are, when people are exhibiting that remarkable degree of confidence, that extraordinary confidence, there, there's this, uh, there's this idea amongst other people that it's arrogance. And the reason why they think that is because most people in the body of Christ, even though they're entitled to it, they don't take advantage of it. Even though we're entitled to an extraordinary degree of confidence, even though we're entitled to it, we don't take possession of that. In, instead, instead, we allow ourselves to second guess, to question, to doubt, to wonder. Amen. We, we look at our circumstances, we look at our jobs, we look at our families, we look at our church, we look at our spiritual life. Oh, listen, the devil doesn't, what I'm talking, and I, I know some of you are like, well, it says an extraordinary degree of confidence, but in what? I'm, I'm about to tell you. Come on. I'm about to tell you. But, I want you. but I want you to understand about this extraordinary degree of confidence. The, the enemy's fighting you in this because... Uh, <laughs> The Bible says uh, in the book of Hebrews, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. When you function in this extraordinary and remarkable confidence, there's a great reward that comes with it. Listen, I'm, I'm today I'm going to talk to you about unlocking the door to the realm of extraordinary miracles. Listen, if you'll hear me today, and you'll hear me with, the, with an, a spiritual ear, today it will open up a realm to you that some of you have never seen and never known. Honestly. And I know, maybe you've heard people say that before. Maybe, maybe the size of this church is fooling you into thinking that those kinds of truths couldn't be expounded upon in this church because we're such a small group of people. I'm going to tell you right now, God don't care whether it's two people that are listening. He's just looking for someone to agree with him. Amen. God's just looking for somebody to agree with him. But if you, if you go to most churches, most people in most churches aren't, uh, aren't exploiting what the Bible says they're entitled to when it comes to confidence. Instead, they're questioning, they're doubting, they're wondering, and they base all of those things on things that are outside of the realm of the Word of God. All right, so what is it that we have uh, uh, the, uh, um, what is it that we have the uh, privilege of having extraordinary confidence in? So look what it says. It says, uh, this is the remarkable degree of confidence which we as believers are entitled to uh, have before him that if we ask anything, oh, come on, you, some of y'all need to shout about this, that if, well, Talisha, this is your word. 
Zedric, this is your word. Glory to God. Someone shout, this is my word. <laughs> Boy, listen, I don't know about y'all, but I'm feeling it stirred in my spirit right now. Oh. <laughs> that if we ask anything according to his will, that that is consistent with his plan and purpose. He hears us. See, that's what we can have confidence in. We have, we have a remarkable degree of confidence, and we're entitled to that degree of confidence, that when we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. But that's not all. And if we know for a fact, as indeed we do, that he hears us and listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with a settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted to us the requests which we have asked from him. Can you imagine having so much... Now, let me tell you a little story. And I'll just give you this short little testimony. Uh, some of you will remember me telling the testimony of a man named Paul Nickel. He was the, uh, a pastor, an older gentleman, that pastored a church in the city of Springfield, Ohio, when we were there holding revival. He was the father-in-law uh, uh, of the pastor of the church that I was preaching at. I think Brother Nickel was in his 80s. But uh, in the middle of the revival, he took ill and by the time we got to the middle of that revival, which lasted for seven months, so three months into the revival, he fell ill and uh, was put on hospice and given up to die. I got a phone call from Pastor Jim, his son-in-law, and he said, will you, go, will you go with me to pray for Brother Nickel? He's on his deathbed. Y'all remember that, me telling that? All right, so Brother Nickel, Brother Nickel was on his deathbed. I'm, I'm going to abbreviate this because I, I, it's not really, it kind of goes with my message, but it doesn't, it doesn't. Anyway, so Brother Nickel, I went and visited him. When I visited him to pray for him, that never works out that way. If, every time someone has sent me to pray for an old preacher on their deathbed, I've never prayed for him. They've always ended up coming to life and praying for me. And Brother Nickel came to life. He got off of his hospice bed. He hadn't talked in two weeks. He hadn't been out of that bed in two weeks, Carolyn. He kicked his legs off the side of that bed, got, came off that bed, came alive, sat on the, on the uh, arm of the chair that I was sitting in and said, can I tell you a story, preacher? And he began to tell me a story, a story about something supernatural. And he, he started telling me about this coat that God told him to make. Told him to make this coat and to minister healing to the sick when he made this. The Lord said, if you'll make this coat, when you put it on, the anointing for healing will come upon you. It was a strange story. It was an unusual story, but it was a God story. You know, I knew it wasn't the coat that healed people. It was the word that God gave Brother Nickel. So after he told me this, he did that in 1968, which was the year I was born. He did that in 1968. I said, Brother Nickel, when's the last time you put that coat on? He said, 1974. This was in 2011. I was like, Brother Nickel, where's that coat? He said, where's that coat, Mama? She said, it's at the church. I said, Brother Nickel, since you're not using it, can I have it? Brother Nickel was like, sure. 
I went to the church. We, we pulled that coat out of mothballs. I left that church with that coat in my hand. That pastor was looking at me like, why didn't I think of asking Brother Nickel for that? I was like, because you, you, you too slow. <laughs> Finders keepers, losers weepers. <laughs> hey, that's why we're winners. Amen. Losers weepers. <laughs> to the winner goes the spoils. And so... I had this coat. So the Lord spoke to me while I'm in that car with that coat, and he says, he says this to me. He says, you need to have a healing service. I'm like, yes, Lord. I, I pictured myself like um, a Tommy boy, fat guy in a little coat, you know. I, I thought, oh, I'm about to, because Brother Nickel was a small guy. But, but I thought, well, I'll just drape it over my shoulders, and this is going to work. But then the Lord said, have Brother Nickel come. Have Brother Nickel come and minister healing. So long story short, Brother Nickel came a week later on a Friday night, Raised off of his deathbed to have a healing service, a miracle service, and to put that coat on. When we announced to the city of Springfield that Brother Nickel would be there to minister healing to people, the entire city seemed to come out. We had so many people in that church that we didn't have enough space for them in the building. And you can see a picture of it online of that service of that night. Uh, there's a picture. In fact, the picture is real grainy. It, there was like a, it was almost like there was a cloud in the building. But you can see a line of people that goes all the way around the building and out the back door of people that came to, to receive healing. Now, we're talking about remarkable degree of confidence that when we ask something and we know what his will is and his purpose is and we ask according to his will, he hears us. And when he hears us, we know that we have the request that we ask of him, right? All right. So I've, I've, seen this, I've seen this on occasion in people work on a higher level. I'm, I've, I've seen it happen to me, but I want to testify about somebody else. So that night, Brother Nickel came in. He was sickly. He was back on his deathbed, but they brought him to the service. And when he came in the service, they rolled him in. He was in a wheelchair. His head was down. When they got him to the center of the room, his, his head lifted up, his eyes opened up. And before they could get him to the front of that church, he came out of that wheelchair. I had that coat in my hand. He came up and he put his arm out like this. I put one arm in that coat, the other arm in that coat. I wrapped that coat around him. I said, Poof. I said, here it is. People lined up. I remember the first man in that line, he came, and he was twisted up with arthritis. His hands were twisted up with arthritis. He said, Brother Nickel, and listen, he was, it was awesome. He says, Brother Nickel, I was in your church as a kid. I remember you putting that coat on. My mother, my mother was a member of your church. He said, yeah, you're so-and-so. I remember you. I remember your, your mama was so-and-so. He's like, yes, sir, that was me. Brother Nickel says, what have you come for? He says, he says Brother Nickel, I'm twisted, I'm, I'm twisted up with arthritis. Look at my hands. Brother Nickel looked at him and said, is that it? That's all? A remarkable degree of confidence will cause you to look at the impossible. And know that it might be impossible with man, but not with God. Are y'all hearing me today? See, when you have that remark, you'll look at the impossible, whether it be a physical uh, a miracle, whether it be a circumstance that's in your life. Listen, I'm going to tell you, here, you know, some people, they, I've been asked recently, Pastor Zig, what do you think about deliverance? Here's what, here's what I think about deliverance. When you have a remarkable degree of confidence 
of what God's will is and what God's purpose is, then you know that he hears you when you ask him. And when you ask him, he will do for you and what you ask and he will fulfill your request. So here's what I believe about deliverance. The devil's in big trouble. And it's, it's not the knowledge of all the tricks of deliverance that we need to have. All we have to do is have confidence in, in, what, his, in what his will is, in what his desire is. I'm going to tell you right now, when you look at the devil with that remarkable degree of confidence and faith, listen, some of the devils that hang around y'all are trembling right now. Like, man, I hope they don't get this. Some of you looking for people to pray for your deliverance. Listen, if you get a remarkable... De- Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you know why some of us have evil spirits pestering us? Why some of us uh, have evil spirits that have attached themselves to us? Because we have forgotten what his will and what his purpose is. When you understand his will and his purpose, and you ask according to his will and purpose, he hears you. And when he hears you, how many of you would leave a tick on your body if you found it, if you saw it? Do you have a a great degree of confidence that it don't belong on your body? So you don't leave it there, right? You're not like, well, what did I do to let it, what did I do to let that happen? No, it's trespassing. Are y'all hearing me today? If you had, if you had some sort of a parasite or some sort of something try to attach itself to your body that didn't, amen. Anything. Well, what is it? What is it? What does the devil try to do? Well, he tried to get us to doubt. Pretty soon we start to adjust our lives to accommodate the tick. <laughs> well, I, I, better, <clears throat> I better stay home. I'm sick. I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I want you all, we're going to get ahead of this thing. This, re- this revival that's coming, not a one of you are going to be sick in the name of Jesus. And if it tries to come on you, I have a remarkable degree of confidence and I'm entitled to it that when I ask him according to his will, he'll do what he said he would do and sickness will not come nigh your dwelling. See, we got to start treating the devil like the redheaded stepchild that he is. And not nothing against, nothing against redheads. Tell Lynn I didn't mean nothing by that. Lindsay, it's all right. <laughs> Look, everybody. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Rachel, it's all right. I'm not talking about you. We're talking about <laughs> Rachel. Like, oh, okay, great. Amen. Do you, do you get? See, sometimes we, we allow religion and the ways of men. To bind us up. God gave us such a freedom. And we allow ourselves to be bound up. Because instead of having 
that confidence and resting in that confidence and believing God. We lean to our own understanding. That's why the Bible says that we're to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, that we're not to lean to our own understanding, that in all of our ways we're to acknowledge him so that he can direct our paths. Listen, your, your problems don't come because you need deliverance. Your problems come because you don't have confidence and you don't, you don't take uh, possession of that extraordinary confidence that you ought to have when you know what the Word of God says. The Bible says, whom the Son sets free, they are free indeed. So when someone tries to tell you you're bound, you know what? No. Listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I have never, since I got born again, I don't, somebody, somebody say, yeah, you probably got something. You probably need to let us pray for you. No, I'm going to pray for you. Because you don't have the same remarkable degree of confidence about my freedom that I have. You probably have something on you. But I'm, I, I guarantee you right now, I ain't got nothing like that on me. Well, do you, do you struggle anywhere? Yeah, but that would be called the flesh. There, you know what? There's not a devil of donuts. That would be Brother Ziggy's sweet tooth. We heard a story one time. Y- y'all have heard me tell it. There's a woman, and they're casting devil out of her, and they're like, where they said it was a devil, but they're, they, they were praying, and, and someone, it was revealed to them that it was a spirit of caffeine. Thou spirit of caffeine, come out of the woman. Come out of the woman, thou devil of, thou devil of caffeine. I command you to leave this woman in the name of Jesus. And, and, and someone said, you need, to, you need to find the strong man. You can't spoil the house less than you know what the strong man is. No, because when you've cast away your confidence, you'll buy anything. So they start saying, thou, and I, I, Andy don't have no spirits, but anyway, she got the Holy Ghost, but <laughs> amen. Say, so how do you know? Have you prayed her through? Well, we, I have a great degree of, listen, I don't let devils come up in my house. I, I know some people are like, I think the devil got up in my house. Listen, the devil ain't, ten, the devil ain't even 10 blocks. My neighbors are happy. You understand? Because the devil don't go to their house because I live next door to him. I don't, I don't live. I don't live. See, see, here's, here, you, that could come across as being arrogant. It's not arrogance. It's coming. And, and, I, could, and I'm, I can tell you stories to bolster that, to back that up. But anyhow, spirit of Kathy, come out, come out, come out. You know, name thyself, thou spirit. Who's the strong man? This woman says, Hills, brothers, for we are many. I was, I was given that testimony. I was given that testimony. And I used this woman as an example. I said, I said, and they said, name thyself. Name that. Before I could say what they said, Hills, brothers, she goes, Pepsi Cola. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> I was like, oh, come on, sister. 
know what? That's not, that's not an evil spirit. That's, that's a physical of carnal. You know, you've you gone you go one too many times to Starbucks. Well, out, if you can't say amen, say ouch. Because I see the Starbucks cups probably in his trash cans. Over here. <laughs> but y'all understand what I'm saying. Amen. Glory to God. I had a devil try to come up in my room one time. I told y'all the story. This is why I have a great degree of confidence that the devil has no place in the life of the believer that has confidence in their freedom, in their victory, and in their deliverance. Because uh, when I was a teenager, I was in my room praying. I'd been praying all night, laying in bed, fell asleep while I was praying. Spirit of God uh, came upon me, and uh, I saw something walk into my room. It was an evil spirit. I mean, it had to bend down to, to get through the door. It had what looked like a blanket in its hand, but it wasn't a blanket. Threw it on me, and I was, I, I, it felt like I was going to die. If I'd have gone by my feelings, I'd be dead because I couldn't breathe. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. There was this feeling of dread. There was an anxiety. There was a fear that tried to come upon me in that moment. And I was like, this ain't right. This don't line up with the Bible. This don't, Jesus, you set me free. You said whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I was like, Lord, and I couldn't speak with my mouth. But in my spirit, I was like, in the name of Jesus, you got to go. In the name of Jesus, you got to go. Well, then I heard a loud, booming voice speak to me. It's like thunder. It said this, stretch out your hands and tell it to go in Jesus' name. My hands flew out in front of me. I said, I command you to go in the name of Jesus. And man, that thing took out running out of my room. Oh, yeah. I won't tell you all the details there, but the next morning, I'm, my dad was getting ready to take me and my sister to school. And when we got in the car to go to school, I just had this, this urgency to share with him what had happened to me. Now, my dad, y'all know my dad. My dad is not a believer. He's, you know, he's... You've met my dad. You know my dad. <laughs> He's a rascal is what he is. But anyway, I love him. But he, uh, I was in the car with him. I said, Pop, my, Tyler's mother was in the car sitting in between me and my dad. She was, you know, maybe uh, 12, you know, 13 years old, whatever it was. And I said, Pop, I feel like I need to tell you something that happened to me last night. I just feel, I said, I don't want to scare, uh, we call my sister Ninu. I said, well, I don't want to scare Ninu, but I feel like <clears throat> I need to tell you this. And when I said that, he had the car in reverse. He put the car in park. I mean, he turned pale white. And he looked over at me and he said, before you tell me what happened to you, let me tell you what happened to me. And I said, go ahead, share. And he began to talk about how that when he came in from work, normally he comes in my room, throws a blanket on me, you know, because of um, me needing, you know, I would kick the blankets off. And so he, uh, he said, I didn't go out. He said, I was tired. I just went to my room. He said, I got in the shower. And he said, and I went straight to bed. He said, but when I got in bed, he said, the devil came in my room. The same thing that had happened to me happened to him. He said, the devil came in my room. And he said, and it felt like this. He said, and he said, I know it was the, because he's trying to persuade me. He didn't have to persuade me. He said, I know it was the devil. He said, because his aunt, he said, my aunt was a witch. My uncle was a warlock. You know, I was around those kinds of things. 
And I've been around that before. He said, but that thing, I felt that presence. He said, I felt like I was going to die. He said, and it hit me in the chest and all the breath left out of my body. He said, and I was afraid. And he thought, he thought, he said, I thought to myself, I need to go get Mijo. I need to wake him up because he needs to pray. He said, all of a sudden, a loud, booming voice spoke and said, fear not. As long as he's in the house, you're going to be all right. See, that's why I have a great degree of confidence that when I'm exercising, are y'all hearing me today? All right. Praise the Lord. See, now that I've got your confidence up, we can go on. Amen. Amen. We needed that. We needed that. You've got to understand that you've got more power than the devil. All the circumstances and all the issues of life that come against you, they mean nothing before God. Listen, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Any tongue that rises against you will fail. Amen. The mountain that, the mountain that stands before you, the Bible says, if you will, amen, if you will say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say will come to pass, you will have whatever you say. I don't care what the devil tries. I don't care what man tries. I don't care how unfairly it seems like you've been treated. The tide is good. When you exercise faith in the word of God and you have confidence in what God says and what his plan and his purpose is for your life, everything will turn around and work together for your good because you love God and you're called according to his purpose. You know, I said this one time. I said, favor ain't fair. And someone said, well, that's not a right statement. I said, yes, it is. The fact that you don't know it yet does, means you haven't discovered it. When God favors you, listen, God don't, God don't hand things out according to fairness. He's no respecter of persons. But you know what? He's not going to bless Gaby just because he blessed Carolyn. In fact, there, there are some of you that God will accelerate you to a, what, seeming, what seemingly is a greater measure of blessing just because you were willing to follow him there while someone sitting right next to you seems to be going through the mully grubs. Are you all hearing me today? I'll tell you right now, you don't need deliverance, you need confidence. So I had a dream. Let me now, let's get into it. I had a dream. And it wasn't like Martin Luther King's. I had a dream. <clears throat> now go to, go to um, the book of uh, Acts, chapter 19. We'll, we'll start with verse 11. And I'm going to try to finish up fairly quickly here. I, I'm not sure that I'll succeed. But I haven't been here in a minute, so we can hang out, right? Amen. Do we have church tonight? Yes. Amen. <laughs> Anna, speaking in faith. Glory to God. Yes, we do. Amen. Pastor, you said we had extra services. <laughs> Acts chapter 19, we're going to read from verse 11. Uh, Acts chapter 19, verse 11. Uh, so I had this dream, and in this dream, I was in, a, I was in a big meeting. All of you all were there. So was everybody else that's been in every meeting seemingly that I ever had, every pastor, every, everyone. And in this dream, um, the pastor who was at the, the, whatever church we were at, it was a large, large building, large church, and the pastor that we were with, he was, uh, he, he dressed in the, you know, modern day pastor's uh, uh, a costume. 
you know, skinny jeans and an uh, outside jacket while he was preaching. You know how, you know, people nowadays, I, I want to send people letters be like, listen, didn't your grandmother take, tell, you, take, tell you take your jacket off in the house? As some of these f- folks are preaching in, you know, coats like they just came in from outside or something, you know, but <clears throat> it's like, I know that was on the cover of GQ, but it looks kind of silly in church. But anyhow, um, this fellow was, the, the whole purpose was to show me he was a preacher in the dream. And I got up close to him, and, and there was a, it's, we were in a moment of worship, a moment of praise. And, and uh, when I got up close to him, he wasn't praising. He was, he was cussing. He was cursing. And he was, t- he was saying, I'm so tired of this SH, you know, blank, blank. And he said, I'm tired of these people. I'm, and, he, and, he, and he went to cursing. And he was up there, and if you hadn't heard him, you'd have thought he was praising. Because he was up there, and he, I mean, he's, he's going like this. He looked like he's fighting the battle. Well, what he's doing is he's cursing people. I'm like, what in the world? And I looked at him, I said, dude, you need to relax. <laughs> you know, I'm like, calm down. But he, would, you know, he looked at me like, you're going to tell me to calm down. Look what I have, look what you have. You know, that was kind of the attitude. And so I was like, all right, you know, you do you. <laughs> but I knew that people in the, in the building were people that had been in revival, people that had been a part of service, the people that I was in fellowship with. And there were some people that I knew that I was looking for that had been in revival meetings. And when I, when I went to, I asked somebody, I said, I said, hey, that's a so-and-so. They come, they, they, uh, so-and-so brought them to the revival. I, I said, you, you came to the revival with so-and-so. They said, yeah, so-and-so didn't make it. They were busy. They're not here. I said, really? Yeah, they had things they had to do. They had it somewhere else they had to be. And I knew what, I knew what, that, what was going on. We were pressing into the, to the glory. Well, I knew that the glory was going to fall. I could, I could sense that God was up to something. And sure enough, out of all those people in that big building, the glory fell on me and on this young man. Now, when the glory fell on me, um, I just backed away into a corner. And I put my face between my knees, and I, and I, I just kept, I kept looking back. And this young man was running and trying to get a hold of everybody he could. And everywhere he would get close to, it was like people would get electrocuted. <laughs> they would get shocked. He jumped in the baptismal where there were people in there. And people in the baptismal and all around the baptismal were shocked. So people were, were experiencing the glory. But this young man was just going wild. And I wasn't against it. I was like, go for it, brother. Just get it. But I was in a place where I felt like the Lord was drawing me close to himself. And... I hope I haven't gone so long that y'all won't hear the rest of this. So as that happened, you know, I think I've been telling y'all how the Lord's been drawn on me. Uh, He's been drawing me to to a different place with him. So then the Lord spoke to me and he said this. He said, um, he says, I want to talk to you about two kinds of miracles. I know some of you are trying to find meaning in the dream. Don't try to, I'm just telling you the dream to set you up for what the Lord told me. I know what all that meant, and I'll maybe explain it during revival. But he said, he told me this. He said, I want to talk to you about two kinds of miracles. He said, uh, he brought me to Acts 19.11. He said, 
And God wrought special miracles. Say special miracles. Special miracles. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. You can replace that word special with extraordinary. <laughs> or you could say it that way as well. God wrought extraordinary miracles. And then the next, you don't have to go to the next verses. But if you'll read those next verses, it goes to talking about what those extraordinary miracles are. God does extraordinary miracles. Isn't that right? I've seen God do extraordinary miracles. I told you the one that he did through, you know, Paul Nickel. Uh, when, 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 that, when he told that man, that man, you know, was twisted up, and that man said, Brother Nickel, I got this. And he says, that it? Extraordinary confidence. You know, the next thing he did was, Brother Nickel said, in the name of Jesus, put his hands on that man, that man's fingers straightened right out. Every bit of that arthritis was melted off that guy's fingers, and he walked out of there completely well. And Brother Nichols said that that wasn't even hard. I remember he said that. He looked me in the face. He said, that wasn't even hard. He said, bring some hard ones. He said, someone got something hard you need God to fix. He started looking for someone that had an impossible situation. Because of this, amen. So the Lord said, the Lord told me this. He said, he said, I'm, he said, I'm about to thrust my church into another, into a season of extraordinary miracles. Okay. He told me specifically, he says, I'm about to take you to a place of extraordinary miracles. Now, listen, I'm, I'm going to tell you this right now. I have been in a place where we've seen extraordinary miracles. I've told, I've, I've told you all about it. Man, Ted and I could write books. Okay. I, I, I tell the stories of what God has done in our ministry to some people, and they don't believe it. Preachers. They look at us, they look at me like I'm crazy. I was sitting with Donna Shambach. We went to Donna Shambach's place last week. Um, uh, Brother Shambach's daughter. I was in Tyler, Texas last week. We were there for a miracle service. I, I was telling some of them, uh, sister, in fact, I was, it was Sister Donna and Sister April Nye was there. Y'all, some of y'all know April Nye. And I was sitting across the table from them having breakfast. Uh, before we left at Tyler, Texas, after that miracle service um, that uh, she asked me to come preach. And uh, I was telling them the stories of some of the extraordinary miracles we saw. God. Shree was sitting there. I had, to, I had to look at him and say, I know y'all think I'm crazy. I know y'all. Because when you hear the stories of these extraordinary, it's hard to fathom. You know why? Because we've been told God can do them, but most of us have never seen them. We've seen a lot of lying in church. We've seen a lot of complaining in church. We've seen a lot of sexual immorality in church. We've seen a lot of those things in church, but we haven't seen a lot of extraordinary miracles. But here, here's what the Lord told me. He said, he said I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to release extraordinary miracles in the church. He said, I'm about to do extraordinary miracles in your life. He said, but there's another kind of miracle. And he says, and these are the miracles that are happening now. Uh, Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. <laughs> verse 5. I'm sorry. Verse, verse, start with verse 5, Marissa. I, I guess I needed to tell you that, didn't I? This is Jesus after he went to his hometown. You remember he went to his hometown? And the Bible says this, and he could do there, and he could there do no mighty work, save that he laid his, laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. Now let me ask you a question. 
if a few sick folks get healed supernaturally, isn't that a miracle? But it's not extraordinary, right? See, we're in a season where we're seeing God do supernatural things, but they're not extraordinary. God is not just the God of the extraordinary. God is a supernatural God. And here's what the Lord told me. He said, my people are missing out on the extraordinary. My people are missing out, he said, uh, because he said they're so focused on trying to see the spectacular that they miss out on the supernatural. Here's, 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 and here's what, I, here's what I mean by that. Um, <laughs> I'll, give you, I'll give you a Bible example. Do you remember Paul um, when he was uh, on his journey in the book of Acts? Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 27, um, the Bible says that Paul was on this journey. They were on a boat. He had already been taken into custody, and he was being taken to, uh, to uh, uh, Rome, and he had, he had demanded to, to stand before you know, Caesar and, and all these things, and um, his ministry was playing out in prison. And they got in this boat, and the weather was bad. Y'all remember that? And when the weather got bad, uh, all of a sudden, Paul said, I perceive that this journey will be... Well, here, I'm just going to Ziggify it. I'm going to give you the Ziggify version. Y'all, I have a feeling something's not right. I have a feeling something bad is about to happen. You know what? That wasn't extraordinary, extraordinarily... Uh, that wasn't something extraordinary, but it was supernatural. And what made it supernatural was that the source of what Paul perceived was the Spirit. It was the Holy Ghost. God revealed to him by the Spirit this something. But you know what? It wasn't extraordinary. It, in fact, it was so not extraordinary that nobody listened to him. That he told them that they, sh that they shouldn't go. And the Bible says that the owner of the ship believed everybody else except for Paul. Because it wasn't a sign and a wonder. It wasn't some big spectacular demonstration of the power of God, but it was supernatural. You know what? Sometimes we're looking for the spectacular and we're ignoring the still small voice of God in our heart. Some, today, some of us come here and we're like, man, I really need something from God. And you come in here looking for the extraordinary, for the spectacular, and you miss out on the nudge that he gave you to throw your hands up and praise him with all your might. You, you miss that, you miss that uh, inward witness. Get out, get out in the aisle and, you know, and get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. I, I'm going to tell you something, folks. I believe that if most of you had been listening to the inward witness, that, that inward witness to that still small voice on the inside of you, most of you would have made an effort to get out from where you were sitting and at least Maytag or something. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't even have, you don't even have to do some fancy dance. I mean, if you'll just do the mashed potato or, you know. I mean, when we got to, he gave me a reason to dance. I expected to turn around and to see people dancing all over this place because you know what? Some of you look like you needed to dance to get your breakthrough. Some of you look like you needed. Are y'all hearing me today? 
See, some of you don't know that your financial breakthrough is not, is not in a spectacular miracle or some spectacular move of God. It's, it doesn't start there. It doesn't start at the spectacular. It starts at recognizing the supernatural. It starts with an inward witness, with a still small voice, with your willingness to obey God doing something that seems insignificant. I'm going to tell you, put that scripture back up there, Marissa. I'm going to tell you something about that scripture. I want you to think about this scripture in the, uh, in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 6. Yeah, Mark chapter 6. Run, run, run. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. You're, you're going to be glad you stayed for this. Did I, do you know which verse? Verse 5. Ah. <laughs> and, <laughs> you, know what we, you know what we do? I know. I'm sorry, Marissa. You know what, you know what we do? Is we downplay, we downplay this like it was a fit. Now listen, Jesus couldn't do all that he could do, but he did something. And we look at this and we don't look at it as being something good. I'm going to tell you something. Anytime God moves, it's good. And we are, listen, we are in a season where we're not seeing much of the extraordinary. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm because I'm not just in this church. We're all over. We're all over the place doing revival everywhere. And we're seeing probably a measure of the extraordinary that most people aren't seeing. But I'm telling you, I've seen God do even more extraordinary stuff than what we're seeing happen right now in revival meetings. You're never going to get to the spectacular, to the extraordinary, until you recognize the supernatural. And that's what the Lord was telling me in the dream. He was like, you're never going to get to that place where I'm able to do the extraordinary until you recognize what I'm doing right now. So many people have their eyes focused on God doing something spectacular that they're, they're missing out on what he's saying right now. See, some of you want to preach so bad, you don't realize what it is that God is telling you to do in this season. He, you're not hearing what he's telling you to do right now. Some of you want to enter in to this, this uh, full expression of what God called you to and what God has for you, but you're neglecting recognizing what he's doing right in this moment, what, what he's doing that's supernatural. I'm, I'm going to tell you another story that, 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 uh, that reflects this and that, that shows us this. The pool of Bethesda. Before anyone could have anything extraordinary, they first had to recognize the supernatural. Well, what was the supernatural that they had to recognize? The troubling of a pool of water. The troubling of the pool wasn't spectacular. You know what was spectacular? You know what was extraordinary? When someone got in after the water was troubled and came out well. Are y'all hearing me today? See, one led to the other. Here's what God told me. He said, tell my people this. So I'm telling you, are you ready? Anticipation is the key to the miraculous. Or expectancy. Now, I know we've heard that. We've heard people say uh, the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of miracles. But here's, here's what we don't understand about that. It's not the expectancy that causes the miraculous. You know what anticipation does? Anticipation causes you to become hyper-focused trying to find where God is about to do something. 
I wish some of you could be transported back to that Bethesda, that pool of Bethesda uh, at that day so you could go and talk to some of those people that were at the pool of Bethesda. Here's one thing that I will guarantee that you would have learned about those people at the pool of Bethesda. They wouldn't have wanted to have a thing to do with you. Do you know why? Because they were too busy anticipating the troubling of the water. They were too busy looking for the signs that would lead them to the breakthrough that they were preaching. Some of you, you haven't been anticipating God doing anything around here. You want to know how I know? Because you don't come. Listen, don't, don't, don't try to sell me your excuses. Don't try to get me to buy into your crap. I know exactly what's going on. You do not expect anything anymore. You have lost your hope. You have no anticipation. You don't believe for one second that God is going to do anything around here. And when you do come, you're not looking for it either. And then we want to say, if pastor was here, you know what? I wish pastor was here. If pastor would, what in the world is it going to do for me? Good for me to be here. Because I'm here now and we're still in the same boat. We're still looking for the spectacular instead of recognizing the. Come on. See, some of you ought to recognize right now that the waters are being troubled and that God is looking for you to get off your bumper and to be hyper-focused looking for what he's about to do next. We haven't even started revival and we're already in it. You know, we can either continue to be satisfied with having a few sick people healed Or we can take and we can begin to become hyper-focused on what God wants us to be looking for in the area. Now, I told Donna Shambach, I told her this, and she said, explain what that means to me. I said, well, when you're anticipating, you're looking for something that is a sign that he's about to do something. Like, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And you know that 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 gurgle, that percolating. See, some of you are like, well, that that's not that. That's a, no, that's the super. You don't do that. You say, well, was that the Lord? Do you always want to shake, shake your booty that way to worship songs? No, you don't. No, you don't. Well, I'm going to wait, wait, see what everybody else does. If you wait, you're going to miss it. You're going to be like that fellow that when Jesus showed up at that pool, he said, I tried to get in, but everybody gets in before I do. Well, I'm preaching. You know, there is, there is something about getting in first. There is something that's more powerful about recognizing it first. Listen, that's what, that's what you ought to be looking to do. You ought to be looking to recognize it before everybody else does. You ought to be looking to see it first. Let me see it first, Lord. Let me be the first one to get in. But instead, we're, we're making cookies. We're, is that really what we're... Is that really... 
Well, you know, I promised my grandkids we'd make cookies. Boy, you better, you better promise your grandkids something else. You better start promising your grandkids that before you're dead, you will, you will entertain the Spirit of God in a measure that you will leave them an inheritance that is an eternal inheritance, not one that's going to go. Listen, if all you leaving them is a cookie recipe, you're doing it wrong. Oh, there's more here, but I think I better quit. <laughs> well, can I, can I, I wrote a bunch of, I wrote a few things down. I'll just write, I, I don't preach from notes, but I write thoughts down. Our concept of God determines how and what we receive from him. So Jesus, on this day, <laughs> listen to this, hey, look. He gave me all this in a dream just talking to me. And he was just talking to me, Carolyn. Now, Jesus, the Bible says he could not do many mighty works. There. Now, go to the book of Luke, chapter 4. Luke, chapter 4. Um, the, go to the verses, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I can't remember what verse those are. Verse uh, six, 16 or something, 6? Or, you'll find it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. Huh? Thank you, sir. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, I, let, me, let me put this in context. This is, the same, this is the same thing in Luke that we read in Mark about Jesus being in his hometown. Luke is the only one that really expounded upon it. So this is what led up to Jesus just healing a few sick people. This is what happened before. He stood up for the reed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel of the poor. He sent me to heal the broken heart, to preach the deliverance of the captive, coming excited to the blind, set at liberty them that are bruised, preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Next verse. And he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. Next verse. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Next verse. And all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. Get this. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? Look at their perception. He told them who he was in the reading of that scripture. But their perception of him. Your, your perception of God is the way that you bind him to relate to you. Because they didn't see him as the anointed one. You say, what do you mean they didn't see him as the anointed one? Well, they said, isn't this Joseph's son? We know good and well he wasn't Joseph's son. In fact, they did too. Because when Mary came with that, and of course, we're going to hear it this, this year, unfortunately. Uh, uh, Mary, did you know? Listen, no one knew better than Mary. I mean, Mary told it, and I'm sure she was called everything but a Christian. <laughs> of course, I know that we didn't have Christians back then, but you know what I'm saying. They didn't think she was a holy church woman. She got impregnated in their minds, of course, by who? Because they thought Jesus was whose son? But whose son was Jesus? His son of God. Mary told him as much. I, I've never been touched by a man. 
What happened to me happened by the Spirit. This was, I received that. This was supernatural in nature. This was not natural. I was impregnated by the Holy Ghost. You see how far that went. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Why would anyone believe her? When nothing like that had ever been seen before. But when Jesus starts talking under the anointing, and it's evidenced by his life and the anointing on his life that there's something. You know what? They, they, were, they, they, weren't, they didn't recognize the supernatural. Their perception of, of him didn't allow for extraordinary miracles. Some of you, it's your perception of God. This idea that, that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how faithful you are. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter whether you pray. It doesn't matter. Uh, you, God's not looking for you to sacrifice. God understands. God knows why. I am. Church, I wrestle with, the, I wrestle with things too. And here's the thing. All those things affect how and what God can do. We've got to get back. We've got to get back to conceptualizing God according to his word. Okay. You know, some people, they're like, oh, Papa, Papa, just, that's wonderful, but he's not just Papa. But some people, that's the only way they can relate to him, and so that's the only way that God can relate to them. So he does, because he's just Papa, he never becomes mighty warrior dress for battle he never becomes way maker miracle worker promise keeper light in the darkness to them he never becomes king i'm gonna tell you if you want if you want to understand that just talk to my wife she right now she's looking at me and she's not seeing me as husband she's listening to me and she's like boy he's preaching that's a man of god right there Thank God she can shift gears that way because she sees me, she sees me in a lot of different situations. <laughs> we won't expound, but anyhow. <laughs> but y'all know what I'm saying. Some of us, we it's hard for it's hard for us because, but when we when we conceptualize God in his greatness. Misconception produces unbelief. And unbelief doesn't neutralize the power of God, but unbelief will cause us to not jump in the pool when it's troubled. Unbelief makes us dull and numb in our perception. It causes us to miss out on the supernatural things that God is saying and doing. Instead of, listen, there's some of you, you would have followed God into a lion's den. But it's hard for you to follow God to church on a Wednesday night. That's all I'll say about that. Anticipation, expectance. I know, I know. Just rub that one. Amen. Because some of you got to rub that. <laughs> Blow on it. Put some dirt on it. It'll be okay. Anticipation is a necessary component in order to facilitate miracles. Unbelief in an individual, in a community, in a region, in a nation removes that component of anticipation. 
When we anticipate hearing his voice, finding his direction, encountering his presence, it prepares us for promptings of the spirit that lead us to a place where miracles happen. Anytime I've seen God do the extraordinary, it didn't start off with extraordinary. When, when God first put fillings in people's teeth supernaturally in that meeting full of Mennonite youth when I was 16 years old or 17, when I was 17, I'm 17 years, don't know, I've been born again for a, a year and a half, Lindsay. I'm standing in front of 300 Mennonite kids, most of which aren't filled with the Spirit. My pastor is there who doesn't believe even in my calling, in my ministry, told me I wasn't called to preach, but he's there in that meeting has to be there because his church hosted it how how i got on the platform he don't even know but there i am and in the natural while i'm trying to preach seems like i'm blowing it now i'm behind that pulpit and i said lord what now i give up when the lord when the lord spoke back to me and said good it's about time i'd never heard god talk that way to me that day he did. He said, good, it's about time. I was like, what now? He said, pray for their teeth. Okay. That's not spectacular. Stupid is what it is. In the natural, I mean, in the, for the natural man, I thought, how dumb is that? What am I going to do? What am I going to pray for? Pray for their teeth. That was the supernatural. Okay. It wasn't spectacular to me or anybody else there because guess what? Nobody else heard it. Do you, can you imagine the amount of pressure and the amount of stress that was on a 17-year-old boy? Oh, yeah. That's I tell you all these stories, and I'm not sure that you put them into context. I was a 17-year-old boy. That's Never been to Bible school. Still haven't been to Bible school. Wasn't encouraged by my own pastor that I was called to preach. The man is sitting in that service on the front row looking me eyeball to eyeball. And God is telling me to tell these people something that they have never heard, that I've never heard before. Certainly wasn't prominent at that time. Pray for their teeth. Can you imagine with me the extraordinary amount of stress and pressure? that I know some of you are like, well, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Listen, you've never been blessed. Because when God blesses you, I'm going to tell you right now, he'll require you to do stuff. And when he requires you to do stuff, you feel the weight of the burden of that responsibility falling squarely on your shoulders. All I had to do, Gaby, all I had to do, all I had to do was say it. I said it. Oh, yeah. I don't know what this means, but God says he's going to, he wants me to pray for people's teeth. He's going to, I don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> I don't know what you need. <laughs> You'd think it would have happened right away with me saying it, but it didn't, Titus. I said it. 200 people maybe, right? Maybe 200 people. Annie was, here's the beauty of it. Annie and I weren't even dating, but she was in that service. 
I remember she's on about the third row sitting on the end. I knew where she was at. And it wasn't love that I was feeling. It was something else. <laughs> I was a young man. But <laughs> if Michael was here, she'd be like, oh. <laughs> You get it? So I say it, Carolyn. I tell them, I don't know what he's going to do. 200 people come not knowing what to expect. Well, I mean, they knew what to, they, they knew what they were looking for. I didn't know what they were looking for. Come to find out, every one of them had holes in their teeth. I was not shooting that high. I didn't expect one of them to have holes in their teeth. I expected them to say, I need some straightened teeth. I never dreamed that people would come with cavities. Never dreamed. But when I started looking in their mouths, it didn't generate faith. It didn't generate faith. I looked and I thought, these people are sunk because they need a dentist. They don't need Jesus. They need a dentist. When I prayed, nothing happened. Gil, nothing happened. I prayed for those people. No one cried. No one fell. There was no warm buzzy, no numb tingly. It was dead. It wasn't until I began to walk back. Y'all know the story? That the Spirit of God fell. And the wind of the Spirit blew into that bed. I was 17 years old. Say, Pastor was 17. What do 17-year-olds know? Nothing. I mean, not, not a lot, Gabe, not a lot. <laughs> he's a turn 18, so he's good. What was the result? Over 200 people getting gold and silver fillings in their oh, teeth. Yeah. Super, Mennonites, listen, not just regular people. Mennonites. Mennonites. And the first one to get a filling in her tooth, my pastor's daughter. When I went to check to see what had happened to her and he looked in her mouth, Sister Joyce, you know what he did? He looked in her mouth and went and fell out under the power of God. Her mother fainted. Fainted and fell on an altar, trapped the microphone in between her and the altar, and for an hour and a half, all you could hear on the tape was, <laughs> it was it was it was half of half of one side of the tape and then the whole side of the next that's all you heard for the rest of the tape the second tape of this you know they it was a two tape service those of you that don't know how the struggle that that was spectacular you better believe it you better believe it impacted my life for the next eight months i couldn't go nowhere for eight months Without people getting arrested by the power of God. Oh, yeah. Stand up all over the place. I'm, I'm, I'm finished. I just want That's to... right. So we're anticipating, Ted, your miracle. Yes. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Sit down for a second. Now, Ted, Ted's my friend. He's my brother. So here's what we're anticipating. Rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. Yes. Amen. <laughs> and that's what you're looking for, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, now you're stepping in, Ted. Oh. <laughs> I declare a brand new knee. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I declare you're giving Ted a brand new knee. Ha <laughs> I thank you, Father, that his blood pressure is coming down to normal. I thank you, Lord, that his sugar is being normal in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that his hip is being made well in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, that this shoulder is being made well. I declare in the name of Jesus, every bit of his body is being made whole today for your glory in Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Father. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. I declare you're going to dance like you danced in that video. <laughs> Hold that bridges up. We... We don't want to see the moon. We're, we're here seeking the sun. Amen. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God. Amen. Boy, Ted. Spirit of God is on you, Ted. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Glory. Woo, glory. Yeah, fire. Glory to God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. Church, you know what I want you to, to begin to do? As we come into this season, uh, the holiday season, and as we come up toward revival. And listen, honestly, I'm not even thinking about Christmas. All I'm thinking about is that revival starting January the 1st. You know what? It doesn't matter who's coming here to preach. It doesn't matter who's going to minister. We, we got great guys that are coming to do ministry. But you know where I want your heart to be? I want you to be looking. I want you to come in here hyper-focused. The minute the water's troubled, I want you trying to do Now listen, here, here's what that looks like. Sometimes you'll make a mistake. Sometimes you'll be like, oh, that was the wind. Oh, man. But I'm ready. That was the wind that troubled the water. Wasn't the, what, you mean that wasn't the angel? Okay, that's cool. But I'm ready. I got in before you. But see, that's how it works, by watching. And that's, that's, that's what happened. That's how that miracle broke out there, people getting fillings in their teeth. It was me hearing, looking for, trying to follow, anticipating. Anticipating that God would do something. Anticipating that he was going to move anticipating you know what in worship anticipate when you come here to worship come here to worship believing that there's going to come a point in worship where where we where we hit a gusher every time every time that there's going to come a point where we're going to go into his presence and, and in spite listen in spite of mistakes you know in spite of wrong notes played in spite of uh, notes uh, uh, sung off key in spite of our skill level God, God's not really constrained by our skill we ought to desire to be excellent but you know what when you're not excellent he's, he's still when you are excellent he's better than you are when you're not excellent he's better than you are and he'll do more for us if we'll believe it 
So that's how we come. We come looking. Debbie, you come looking. Is there a word that needs to be spoken? Is there a dance that needs to be danced? Is there a shout that needs to be shouted? Is there a run that needs to be ran? Is there something that I need to do? What is it, Lord, that you're going? I'm looking. I'm looking for you, Lord. I'm looking for you. Anticipation will keep your eyes squarely on Jesus. All of a sudden, the things of earth will grow strangely dim. All of a sudden, the things that were important to you take second place to him and to his spirit. I know it sounds radical. It is in, in, in this generation, in this time, this is radical thinking. But according to scripture, this is the way every Christian lived their life when, in anticipation that God would do what he said he would do. Confident, extraordinary confidence that when they asked according to his will, he would do it because he heard. He heard when we asked. And so, Father, today, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for your people. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that you are positioning us. Ooh, I got to say one last thing. When the spectacular happens, some of you are going to be, some of you are going to be shocked that it don't mean that much to you. You're going to realize it wasn't the spectacular you were looking for at all. You were looking for him. And the spectacular is going to be happening all around you. And you know what you're going to be thinking? You know, you know what? I wasn't thinking about when the glory of God fell in that meeting in Ohio. I, all of a sudden, my mind went away from all of that. I was not thinking about people getting anything in their teeth. Not at all. When his glory fell in that meeting and the spectacular began to happen, I, all I could do is be caught up in his presence. I stood there, tears filled my eyes, praise filled my lips. I didn't go places looking for miracles to happen. I just went places looking for him, following him, loving him, serving him. I saw the most extraordinary things happen in that time. And you know what? Not one bit of it meant a thing to me. I didn't ooh and ah over that. You know what I ooh and ooh and ah over? God, you're so good. That you took me, unqualified, inadequate, broke, broken, broken, I thought, what kind of God? Honestly, I, I just thought... He loved me more than anyone ever did, Anna. He accepted me when I was unlovable. When my own parents turned loose of me. When my own parents let me go to live with my grandparents. And my grandparents were about to turn loose of me. He stepped in. That, that's what I was... That's what, Okay, man, people got fillings in their teeth. Yes. That's what we emphasize today. Only because we've gotten out of that place where he's revealed himself in his glory. But when we become hyper-focused and we get in that place, I'm going to tell you right now, some of you are going to be like, God, I don't care what you do. Just don't. 
Don't let me leave this place. How can I stay forever? How can I stay here forever? We're about, we're, listen, church, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not telling you stories. I'm not just trying to give you some kind of false hope. And y'all know it in your spirits. There's a witness in this house today. Like some of us haven't had, maybe, maybe never before in our lives. Because I've come to you with a great degree of confidence. A remarkable degree. I know what his will is. Some people, I've heard them preach stuff like this and get up and talk about it, and to them it's wishful thinking. Man, they're hoping. Listen, I'm not hoping. God's already settled it in his heart. I'm just looking so that when the water gets troubled, I'm not the one in the back crying because I didn't get in. I'm getting, I will pie face you to get in first. <laughs> May, may, we, may we be that way. May we be like those that rush to the pool. Like our lives depended on it. Because they do. God, we thank you. Thank you for what you've said to us. Thank you for what you're doing in this place. Lord, I pray that your spirit would continue to work in the hearts of your people. Touch Fire in the name of Jesus. Fire. Anna, you stepping in. You stepping in. That's all I'm gonna say. You're, you're stepping in. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Fire! Lord, let your fire fall on each one. Fire, Coresa. Fire. Who? Hara Sabone. Hara Sabone Ketcha Bengalijea. Watch her. Hara Sabone Matsea. Edelic Sakea. Andona Moresa. Woo. You're Jarabara Soberongadea. El te rebere sebre nina maramande. Orosobongele chetere maharabose. Kala soporo dronde de mandere mambreda. Palafradea. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Colesa. Yes, oponomoro. Yeah, Lord, every bit of it in the name of Jesus. No more. We curse it in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that she's. Leaving here today with not one bit of sickness in her body. That what has tried to stay and to remain working in her, it'll work no more. In Jesus' name. I thank you for it, Father. I th It's all right. In the name of Jesus. Edeba rasubra. Otorobo sekeche berejeda. 
In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> you were smiling at me earlier. What happened? <laughs> Fire! 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 Let the fire of the Holy Ghost saturate each one of these, Lord, that are here. Each one that has come in the name of Jesus. I declare release. I declare release in the name of Jesus. I declare release in the name of Jesus. Fire! Fire! I declare release in the name of Jesus. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Fresh fire. Listen, we're just, we're, we're just confirming or, or uh, how do you say, sealing. We're just sealing what the Lord is. Listen, some of you, God's fire came on you while I was preaching. Some of you, the fire came on you. We're just sealing it right now in the name of Jesus. We seal it in the name of Jesus. Fire! Fire at the Bose, in the Mosa. Fresh fire. Fresh fire, Colesa, for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. We seal this up, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Now, thank you. You know what the Lord told me, Lindsay? He recruited you. God, God said he recruited you. The Lord, said, the Lord said there's a time that you were like, well. But then there's that moment where he persuaded you. God said he's called you to fight in a different army. The Lord, the Lord says this. The Lord, and I heard a word, very similar word for somebody recently. I can remember this. I don't remember where, but anyway, this is the word. That God, God prepared you to fight. He, oh, it was in Queen City I had this word for a second. God made you a fighter. When God, when God constructed you, he constructed you to do battle. The Lord says, and not just to fight, but to win. Oh, the, de the Lord says this. The devil sent opponents to physically overtake you. That you couldn't, you, you heard them, but you couldn't beat them because they, they were too strong. In the I mean, in the natural. It's like the enemy loosed violence upon you. But I hear God saying this. The devil's going to regret the day that he ever put you in a position that you had to fight an opponent that was stronger. Because the Lord says, now all that fight that you got in you, the Lord says, you're going to turn loose of that fight on the enemy. God, Lindsay, I see thousands of people being delivered out of darkness because of your story. You declaring what God said to you and what God did in you and thousands of people being turned loose. You're, it's all right. You're in the process. Amen. He loves you. 
And he's working all things together. El es sobrona. In order to fulfill his purpose in you. So he says, he says this. He says, he says, you haven't yet even begun to see the beginnings. But God says, you're on the threshold. The Lord says, you're going to hear the starter pistol. And when you do, the Lord says, you're just going to bolt. You're going to run. You're going to run hard. You're going to run fast. He says, and you're not going to grow weary. You're not going to grow weary. The Lord says, you're going to be. God says, there's nothing that you've done that's going to be like what you're about to do. God says, you're literally not going to get tired. People are going to look at you. They're going to say, aren't you, aren't you weary? And you're going to be like, no, I'm not. Aren't you tired of fighting? You're going to say, I've not yet begun to fight. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The enemy sees you coming and he's afraid. Beleza. Hallelujah in the name of Jesus to your destiny. Father, I thank you for fire. Fire! Lord, I thank you for fresh fire. Lord, I thank you for a fresh baptism in fire. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You know what the Lord tell me, Marissa? He says, I'll open your eyes to see into the realm of spirits. He says, I'll do it. He said, it's, he says, it's something that he said I desire to do. He says, it's not something that I'm trying to keep from you. But God says, I'll touch your eyes and I'll give you eyes to see into the spirit realm. The Lord says, I'll show you that which is good and that, the Lord says, which is not so good. He says, you'll see light and he says, and I'll reveal darkness. But the Lord says this, he says, in the opening of your eyes, God says, I'll give you authority. I'll give you authority. That, I hear the Lord saying this. There's going to be times you're going to look at people that are bound and God's just going to send you over to them and you're going to tell them, you got a bad spirit and I'm here to set you free in the name of Jesus. It'll be that simple. You won't have to get into doctrine. You won't have to get into... In fact, you can say it in a way... You can say it in a way that seems inappropriate to some people. Like I said that. Like I just said, I just said, you're going to go up to him, you're going to say this, you're going to be like, hey... I see you got a, you're struggling with a bad spirit, and Lord sent me here to set you free. There could be some people say, "Oh, you set him free." You're not even gonna mess with. You're not even gonna mess with that. That's not what's in your heart. What's in your mind? Once you've seen it, you know that you have the authority in the name of Jesus to turn them people loose. And I, I hear God saying this. He says it's always been His desire for you to set the captive free, but the Lord says in this season you're going to realize it. And he says, and I'm going to cause you to see into the realm of spirits. See, there's something of that gift that's on me that's coming off on you now in Jesus' name. So expect it. Anticipate it. And then be obedient in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for fresh fire. Ha ha. Fresh fire in Jesus' name. Fresh fire in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your touch. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank God. Well, someone lift your hands and thank God. Someone help this sister. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, listen. We're here. We're here uh, uh, this coming Wednesday. I will, I'll be here. I, I hesitate to say that I'm going to be 
Well, we'll we're going to try to finish. We'll at least try to put a dot on what we've been talking about and finish it, period. Uh, a period on it. And um, it's been good, though. You know, gifts and the ministries of the Spirit have helped, been helpful. So we'll, we'll try to see how we, if we can uh, get farther along to close that out, because I sense in my heart we need to, uh, I think we need to get Pastor Annie up here on Wednesday. It's just in my spirit that she has something that she needs to share with us. And uh, thank God she's not here because she'd be tripping out right now. But God's going to help her. Listen, I'm, I'm sensing in my heart that she's got, God's stirring something up in her. And so I want to turn her loose on a Wednesday and let her, let her expound on us. But last time she hit us with, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, no, was it, was it praise and worship? That was she hit us? Oh, good God. That was, that was on a Sunday. Oh. Listen, I listened to that and I shouted. Oh, thank God. But uh, last time, we, Beta Satan was last time she did Wednesday was Beta Satan. So uh, anyway, I love you all. I appreciate you. Go in his presence. Before you leave here, love someone because you do. Don't, you know, you say, I don't feel like we're done. We're not. So keep, keep seeking his face throughout this whole entire day. Uh, seek the Lord while he, while he can be found. Now, the Bible says you will find him if you seek him, if you seek him with all of your heart. And so I love you. I appreciate you. Uh, go in his presence. Before you leave, love someone because you do. I'll see many of you here Wednesday, right? Not tomorrow. I didn't get a note, so amen. Thank God. And Gabe's getting us in the Christmas spirit there. <laughs> Praise God. Lord, thank you for all that you've done. Go with us as we go, and we'll give you glory all the way in Jesus' name. Amen. I love y'all. I'll see you Wednesday. Amen.